Welcome to Travel by Proxy, the show where we leave our house so you don't have to. I'm Andrea. And I'm Aaron. In each episode, we feature a destination anywhere from right in our neighborhood to far off lands. We bring you our experience, some history, and a taste of each destination by sampling something unique to it. So whether you're listening to this in your car, on a train, on a plane, or in Spain, you'll learn about something to add to your bucket list. Or to remove from it. In this week's episode, we are going to explore the cocktail lounge at Lawless Distilling Company, taste some of their craft spirits, and learn about the history of the Liquor Patrol area in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So sit back and take a journey with us as we talk about the world outside your window. All right, today we are going to talk about Lawless Distilling Company or Lawless Distillery. It's going by two different names depending on if you're talking about the physical location or the corporate entity, uh, as it will come up with both if you Google it. But we are going with Lawless Distilling Company, as that is the official name for today. Yeah, and the interesting part about Lawless Distilling Company is that it has a kind of a rotating bar, actually. Really? Because I like we are just about to go there where I will experience for it for the first time. So I'm yeah. Well, I've never actually been there either. But Wonderful. I was reading up on this before we go because I'm a nerd and I read about everything before I go to a place. Oh, reading. Yeah, you know me. I like to read my books. Books, everything. Yes, uh, you are you are a prodigious read prodigious reader. I'm a prodigious reader. Prodigious. We even make up words here at Travel by Proxy. Anyway, the uh, no. So uh, apparently, what they do is for for most of the year they have a cocktail room, but during November and December they do like a seasonal uh, miracle cocktail room or like miracle uh, eatery kind of mm. thing. It's okay. like a magic thing to that they do. Wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Um. They also they also have classes uh for cocktail called cocktail creation, and I'm really looking forward to kind of picking their brains about what goes on in that because mm-hmm. I'm always looking to you know increase my skill in making cocktails. Plus, I just love a place named Lawless. I mean, absolutely. You know, beer making, wine making, and booze making. Um. It has a certain level of lawlessness associated with it. Um, you know, sometimes bad and sometimes good, depending on which era it's associated with. You've got the whole, you know, like the the uh, gin runners and all that from the yeah. Prohibition era and, uh, you know, what ended up being stock car racing uh, because of people trying to up, outrun the police at that time. But you also do have people that consider themselves to be lawless uh, in the do not follow conventions when creating new spirits and new beers uh, and things like that because they just keep adding new and interesting ingredients to those spirits and beers and gins and all those things. Ciders as well. Uh, Yeah, and when it comes to uh, Lawless, uh, apparently they get their name from the fact that Minneapolis has a long history of... Well, actually, just to kind of be frank, um, Minneapolis has a long history with the mob. Yes, yes, it does. And the mob didn't like when bars would encroach on their territory. Namely, in the uh, serving of liquor that uh, was not controlled by said mob interests. Yeah, that's completely true. And um, 
So they kind of established these liquor patrol areas where, and we'll get into this a little bit more in the history section, but basically um, you couldn't serve liquor. You could serve some kinds of alcohol, but it was really low alcohol. Yeah, it's usually like the 3-2 beer, like the uh, like the old law that we had, and it's still kind of in effect where, you know, gas stations and grocery stores and things like Target can't sell alcohol unless it's at a certain percent, or they can't sell it because they don't have a, any type of liquor license and they won't be issued them. Uh, for those of you who are in parts of the country, uh, like, like the South, uh, especially, like I, I spent a lot of time in Atlanta, and even in uh, Iowa, you can have beer, wine, and spirits in a Target and, you know, anything like that. But in Minnesota, our liquor laws do not allow that. We have specialty shops, and that's pretty much it. I kind of feel like uh, being a little reckless. I kind of feel like seeing what's someone who's willing to get on a different side of the law is... uh can get up to when they get their hands a little dirty absolutely let's uh let's head off to lawless and get some impressions there we're back from lawless distilling it was really really cool um they had a tiki kind of well not really a tiki it was a like a summer beach cocktail yeah set up mm-hmm. they actually i mean you actually had a drink called the why are you having a beach party in the middle of winter which we'll talk about more in a second but it literally just everything was self-referential and like tongue-in-cheek and it was really fun to be there yeah it, it really felt like visiting a hipster haven in um in minneapolis and we called tattersail a hipster haven but this my friends this is like the I don't care about my cocktails. Mm-hmm. Hipster Haven. Yeah. It was like walking in because it was like a bright, sunny day. Mm-hmm. And it we went in the middle of the afternoon. So everyone has to understand that we did not go at like a nighttime. Uh, we, we just, you know, had a day, went in the middle of the afternoon. And when we walked out of the like bright, sunny, cold winter day that it was, we entered into beach like it had thatched roofs it had a beach scene playing on a projector it was really dark and it was like it was suddenly just 11 p.m it was like somebody uh took a ups loading dock and said screw it we're gonna have a luau yeah exactly and you know it's just there was a really nice bar they had that um uh, it was like the make your own cocktail. Yeah, they have a membership program at yeah. Lawless. You can you can sign up to be a member of Lawless, and you just go in and you can pour yourself a drink. It was amazing. I mean, we didn't take the take your own, make your own cocktail because we wanted you know some of their actual crafted items. We wanted to taste their actual spirits on their own because we make enough of our own cocktails at home, and that's what we go to bars for to make somebody else make something that we haven't tried or won't be making ourselves. Yeah, in fact, um. Just so that you can play along with us at home, um, the taste, uh, Lawless-inspired taste that we have right now is um, my take on a shrunken skull because Mm -hmm. I ran out of lime juice. Yep. We're calling it a scurvy skull. Yep. It is gold rum, uh, Demerara rum, and in this case, we've actually subbed Demerara rum with pressers because um, uh, Demerara rum is really hard to really kind of find. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it... so it's um, easy to find. It just depends on how much you're willing to spend for a single bottle, well, and it's still difficult it, it's, to locate. It yeah. It, okay. So Demerara rum. Demerara is a is a like a, a sugar a type of like sugar cane or molasses that's made. Mm-hmm. It's a syrup that's made, and um, it's only made in on Jamaica. It's actually uh, made in Guinea. 
So that is where Demerara rum comes from, Guinea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, actually my uh, brother-in-law's family is from Mauritius, which is uh, an island off the coast of Africa. Okay. And so when we went to visit them, like uh, Mauritius is very famous for rum. They make a lot of rum. And I mentioned like how my husband and I had gotten into tiki cocktails mm-hmm. recently, and I said... And one of the hardest things we had to find was Demerara rum. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, we have that. <laughs> of course he has it. I was like, of course you have Demerara <laughs> rum. You probably have like all kinds of rum. <laughs> I mean, the first time that I really did, and I think I've referenced this before, but I went on a cruise uh, to the U.S. Virgin Islands and kind of the Caribbean area when I was uh, 18. And mm-hmm. so I could drink in port, but I couldn't drink on the ship because I was 18. Uh, but when I was in port, I had what's called a painkiller. And it's just like a Long Island with all rum. Yep. And it, it's much more like tropical flavored. And it's delicious. And I had like six of them. And I still remember most of that day. And I'm very surprised. Anyway, uh, so you take the, it's equal parts, uh, Demerara rum, uh, gold rum. Uh, grenadine. Grenadine, thank you. And lime juice. You shake it up in a shaker with ice, and then you pour unstrained into a shrunken skull glass, of which Aaron is drinking out of. Yep. And actually, the glass that Aaron is using is from Trader Sam's Grog Grotto in Walt Disney World. Huh. Um, it is one of the coolest places you can visit um, on a Disney property, actually. It's open after 4 p.m., uh, I think almost every day, except for one of the days it's closed. Hmm. And it's actually safe to take your kids to. Like, it's not just like a, an adult-only place. And which uh, which Disney property is that located? The Polynesian Resort. Okay. Cause... Naturally enough. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> but, you know, we should say it. Um, it's really cool, though. It's a, it's a very small um, bar, and it, it's a kitschy tiki, tiki bar. Like, um, I don't want to spoil too much about it, but mm-hmm. um, it's completely worth checking out I'm actually, and making the trip. I'm going to Disney in July um, when we do... When my wife at the time once we get married here in a couple of weeks um we're going to be doing a disney trip here in a little bit yeah exactly you know i can wholeheartedly recommend a whole bunch of stuff to you because my husband and i did our honeymoon in disney you and you and your husband love disney a we, lot we kind of do yeah we're, we're we're weird adults in that we like the the disney world for adults las vegas but we also like disney world for adults mm-hmm. disney world so um have you ever been to Disneyland? I have, yeah, when I was a kid. Okay, that's the one I haven't been to. I've only ever been to yeah. the one in Orlando. Yeah, I haven't actually been uh, back to Disneyland since they built since before they built California Adventure. Wow. But that's a future episode. Yeah. Uh, back to a UPS warehouse that's been decorated to look like <laughs> a luau as we sip our scurvy skulls. Um, oh, Which and, are delicious, Yeah, and um, to kind of make up for the fact that the, I didn't have lime juice, I used uh, lime flavoring. Mm-hmm. And so it does still add that kind of lime uh, twang to it, but it's not the same as lime juice. No, no. I mean, when a cocktail calls for fresh lime juice, really nothing beats having fresh lime juice. Yeah, yeah. And but it does, it does still. It needs that citrus to kind of tie it together. Otherwise, the cherry is too sweet. Exactly. I mean, I I prefer sweet over tart anyway. So this is actually a fine cocktail. Before we added the lime, the lime flavoring. I am excited though that we got the lime flavoring because we get kind of the full Mm -hmm. taste of the cocktail. So diving into Lawless, we found ourselves at the bar and we walked up to the bartender and we're like, hey, we want to record here. Can we do that? And he was like, he got this real suspicious look on his face. Why? (laughs) We're like, oh, we're a podcast. We just want to do audio and talk about your drinks. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, go for it. (laughs) Yeah, it was, and you know, because it was... 
how to describe he he looked like a deer in headlights for a moment and then was oh yeah like he didn't want video i don't think yeah and you know luckily we don't do video because we don't we, i haven't done video production in years and that's not something we're planning on doing anytime soon yeah i, I mean we we will probably occasionally share videos but those will be more just like on the spot like we're doing a thing video mm-hmm. yeah like we did a um we know. took a video for the mudroom, but we never mud actually never, shared it. That's correct. <laughs> I forgot that we never put that up. No. Um, but yeah, um, I also want to mention one thing just because it's on the top of my mind. Um, one of the drinks that we had, which was my um, my Road to Hana, it had uh, like listed on the uh, the menu, it said sweet vermouth, but vermouth was in quotes. And we found out because they're a distillery, they can't actually sell spirits that they don't manufacture. So they mm-hmm. have to like make their own vermouth on site. And it was delicious. So I just wanted to get that out there because otherwise I'm going to forget because we're going to start talking about the actual cocktails and I'm going to go down a list of just how crazy it was. Yeah, well, let's actually dive into the cocktails. Yeah. So um, I had the, why are you having a luau in... Uh, why are you having a beach party beach in the middle party of winter? Beach party in the middle of winter. And um, it was it was an exquisite um, citrusy celebration in my mouth. Mm-hmm. It, it was kind of like a margarita turned up to 11 with much more like like actual citrus flavor mm-hmm. instead of, you know, kind of you're like, here's a blended margarita at a chain restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and the nice thing about it using that craft spirits is you get um, you get that actual like uh, like flavor profile that mm-hmm. you wouldn't get in just a, a margarita that had been made from mix sour mix mm-hmm. that's been sitting in a blender for, you yeah. know. I mean, it's one of those things that some some cocktails don't take a lot of time, you know, an an old fashioned or does not take a lot of time to really make in the glass um, to assemble. I'm just I picked the old fashioned like an idiot. And then, of of course, I gave Aaron a look that said, well, um, actually, an old fashioned (laughs) does kind of take a lot of time to make if you make it right. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind. Let's that. go with a martini because martini. It, you just pour two different liquors into a glass yes. and you shake it up. Yes. So okay, so making a martini is is not very time consuming. The most time it takes is actually the shaking portion if you're shaking it mm-hmm. or you're stirring it because you're just making sure that you're getting the dilution exactly. and you're getting that cold. Uh, you know, getting that that those liquids cold. Um, the drinks that we ordered took several minutes probably to Mm -hmm. actually get to us but they were so worth it like everything about them was worth the wait do we want to spoil your drink yes okay so just before we go into this we're gonna say spoiler warning um so if you don't want to if you're gonna what or first what drink did you order order the road to hana okay don't just skip ahead like hit the little 30 second ahead button here all right, go for it. Okay, so the Road to Hana, um, it was made with lolly, lawless whiskey, uh, the pineapple amaro, which we tasted on its own, and then the sweet vermouth that I just mentioned, uh, and then a bitter cube Corazon bitters. Uh, it had a mint sprig in the glass. The thing that was important is it had this little, like, rubber band butterfly that the bartender came over and set under my glass. And as I looked at it incredulously, like, what is this thing that you've just placed under my cocktail? He's like, don't worry about that, and just walked away. And then when I lifted my glass to take the first drink, the little butterfly just flapped to life and flitted around our table for a moment before it finally crashed into my lap. It was the coolest presentation I've seen since we were at uh, Al's place uh, and the bartender lit my uh, Sazerac on fire. (laughs) Ah, flaming cocktails. Yeah, yeah. Which, um, Aaron, I do have to take you to in the future. Yes. Because uh, they they do a Sazerac with uh, tobacco-infused... 
Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah, the look I just gave you is, uh, I am very interested. Mm-hmm. We need to do this sometime Yeah, it, it, it's a $30 cocktail, though, so. Yep, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, back to Lawless. <laughs> We're just going to keep di- deviating for a little bit. Um, okay, so. Oh, welcome to Digression, the podcast. <laughs> the thing uh, the thing about Lawless that really hit me the most, it's, it's the ambiance, and the people that work there really care about what they do. And I know that's something that we talk about all the time, because we love going to these places that are just hipster havens, where it's like everyone cares. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing that's great about hipsters, is they care about what they do. Like, they want it to be the best, and they're gonna keep working yeah. to make it better every day. They care so much about the drinks they make, that they want it to seem like they don't care, and that's why they're good. <laughs> They spend all the time in the like early prep stages in the like crafting of the of the spirits and the coming up with all of the cocktail recipes. So by the time you actually interact with them, they're like, oh yeah, these are options we have. Mm-hmm. Do you want to try one? I mm-hmm. was I was so into the drink that I was drinking. Uh, I had the it was the whiskey drink that I had the second time that all I wrote was whiskey drink good. <laughs> Your notes are amazing. Sometimes I, I didn't even write down the name of the drink for the second drink I had. It, I just wrote whiskey drink good. See, I have, uh, like, for yours, I just wrote down margarita-like, but interesting, uh, more interesting and citrus-forward. For mine, it was easy drinking and sweet, but not too sweet. Back notes of pineapple and the bitters. And <laughs> whiskey drink, good. <laughs> can we, can we t- speaking of, like, the actual things that go into drinks, can we talk about the, um, the spirits that we tried? Um, yeah. So, we had the uh, pineapple amaro. Yep. When we went up to the bar, we, we just said, hey, so we can't have too many of your spirits for obvious reasons yeah we're gonna have to drive at some point and we can't just sit here and drink for six hours straight so if you were gonna give us two of your spirits to try one that's sort of like descriptive of what you do and one that is characteristic characteristic of what you're trying or what Mm -hmm. you're experimenting with what would you recommend and uh he recommended the pineapple amaro and the genevieve or Genevieve, I mean. Genepi. Genepi, thank you. Genepi. I wrote it down in everything. I, I wrote it down too, but my handwriting is not as good as yours because you wrote yours on a computer. Yeah, because it's not handwriting. It's just typing. Well, so I'm more of a hipster in that aspect because my journal has stickers from the places that I go. Your journal is amazing. Yeah. And I need to actually start one. But for now, I type on my phone. So the the two the two spirits are so absolutely different but they still kind of embody what lawless is so the pineapple amaro which again a little bit mentioned in the uh the road to hana which is the, the cocktail i had um it is like it's a very very sweet liqueur mm-hmm. um it has what i wrote down was uh it was tasty with complex leather and candy notes in the back of the palate and it so it had this kind of like pleasant funk in the middle of your palate um so it was obviously alcoholic it wasn't just this kind of sweet candy all the way through but it was just a i found it to be really delicious and a little overly sweet on its own but in a way i enjoyed mm-hmm. it's probably like getting a good um taste of like a like a good uh whiskey or good tequila mm-hmm. like something that that settles in immediately with like really strong sweet notes but then settles into like a nice kind of palatable burn mm-hmm. and then finishes with mm-hmm. kind of like a caramelization almost yeah. like eating a burnt marshmallow like a toasted marshmallow yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's a really great descriptor and i appreciate that you had that in your brain thanks um okay so the other thing we had was the genepi uh which is g e 
N E P Y. Um, I made Aaron repeat that so many times when we were sitting around a table. <laughs> oh man, if the audio from that ever actually surfaces, it, it's going to be fun. It just sounds yeah. terrible. Um, however, the um, the the Genepi, it's it was it was kind of like drinking uh, like a meadow in spring. Mm-hmm. Like it's the only way I can really explain it because I wrote down so it's very herbal and intense with major sweet and sour notes that complement well. Yeah, and it it feel it it doesn't taste like akavit, but it feels like you're drinking akavit. Mm-hmm. It, it I mean it really it it tasted like you had liquefied um, several kind of fresh herbs mm-hmm. and added like a little bit of sweet, but a little bit of you know just alcoholic burn. At the mm-hmm. back, yeah, I, 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 I don't want to share the imagery that just popped into my head because it's not, it doesn't actually describe the flavor, and it's kind of negative toward it. But um, <laughs> is it is it helpful for our, our uh, completely arbitrary review scale? Well, no, because the well, okay, I'll share it anyway because it's kind of funny. I said uh, it, it was liquid colonic. <laughs> okay, I mean, a colonic is usually liquid anyway. It's just yeah, not going I in know, your mouth. But, yeah. <laughs> anyway. So here's the thing. I, I do understand. I've goaded you into saying that, and now it's a little weird. So just to clarify, the the Genepi is very tasty. It, it was. Is, it really was. It's also, you know, it's one of those it's one of those alcohols that has challenged me because I I have this really bad habit of finding several things that I like and just staying in that lane. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do it with food. I do it with a lot of different things. Um, but you there's know, a reason you ate grilled cheese sandwiches for a week. Yep. Or I, you know, I, like I had almost a month where all I ate was mac and cheese and, mm-hmm. uh, and Totino's pizza rolls. Um, but as, uh, as its own spirit, I would not just sit and drink, a, like a low ball with ice of the Genepi, mm-hmm. but as a flavor additive to other cocktails, you know, adding it is some a brilliant some sort of... additive to add to cocktails. It's a savory addition. It's a, a spike of of value to like an er, like an herbal value to mm-hmm. to a cocktail you wouldn't normally expect. Yeah, it's like adding. It's like if you want to take something like a martini mm-hmm. and make a longshore or not a longshore a North Shore martini. Mm-hmm. I would put Genepi in there and call it a North Shore Martini. Yeah, that sounds delicious. Now we just have to go back to Lawless and pick up like 15 bottles of their wares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might. Speaking of going back to Lawless, let's uh, move into the kind of the where they got their name. Yes. Which we kind of covered earlier, but um, they get their name from the fact that like, I mean, obviously they opened legally, but Minneapolis has a long history of sort of shady involvement with liquor. You see, Minneapolis had, like, the ethnic communities in Minneapolis had sort of, some people liked to drink and some people didn't. Mm -hmm. So you had, like, Scandinavian communities that didn't like to drink as much, and you had communities that liked to drink a little bit more. And so as Minneapolis kind of grew up, there had to be kind of a middle ground that was developed. Mm -hmm. And so there was sort of like an area that was designated as a safe zone to have bars and a safe zone to sell and consume liquor. Yeah. Um, and so that was sort of like a liquor patrol area or a liquor patrol limit that was set in Minneapolis. Um, and you couldn't, outside of there, you couldn't really, initially you couldn't even have alcohol. Like you couldn't sell alcohol. You could still have it, but you couldn't sell it. Oh, it was. it's like, you know, the designated, these are where the liquor stores are. They cannot be in X number. Of, exactly. Like, 
Okay. And then kind of as as population increased, things had to kind of change a little bit. And so it changed and you could sell like 3-2 or you could sell beer and wine if you had, if maybe 70% of your revenue came from food. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually like some places are still like that today mm-hmm. up until probably maybe like I think 15 or 20 years ago, I'm not a, I'm just pulling this out of my, my brain space. Mm-hmm. I think Egan even had a rule that you couldn't have a tap, like if you, you, if you had, tavern if you had a tap room, you had to have 70% of your revenue from food, which is why Egan, the closest thing they ever got to a brewery was Granite City Yeah, until um, the laws changed and then Bald Man finally got to move in, mm-hmm. which was the Surly Bill and a couple of other recent bill increases too. Oh yeah. Um, but as those things went on... We kind of started to see something change with time. Um, Minnesotans, even up until, well, actually relatively the past like five years or so in Minneapolis, have still been kind of, you know, duking it out with the local government about this. Well, when we had the the Sunday liquor sales that, Mm -hmm. you know, just really came through in the last couple of years. Yeah. And it was such a fight. Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't even until last year that, um, like, there was, like, a seven-acre zone where businesses could even serve liquor. Mm-hmm. And it finally, like, the rest of the city's neighborhoods have approval to serve actual alcohol. And I think that's kind of where Lawless is coming from. They're saying, like, up until now, we weren't actually able to serve alcohol because we weren't inside that zone. Yeah. You know, but thankfully, like, those people of Minneapolis were like, hey... This is kind of dumb. We want our booze. <laughs> we don't want to have to go to a very, very specific geographical area to like have a mm-hmm. huge concentration of all of our alcohol. Yeah, and and like that's that's kind of one of the the things that that the Carbonis that I actually used to host trivia at. Um, I think that's one of the reasons that they didn't have liquor either because I think they were uh, outside of that zone for mm-hmm. so long. Um, and that's probably why, like, across the street, the restaurant that's there serves liquor, but hadn't been open until, you know, fairly recently because they couldn't serve liquor. You know, why open a restaurant that, like, a cocktail restaurant mm-hmm. if you can't serve liquor? Yeah. No, we have a really, really weird history of just alcohol laws in this state. Yeah. And it really does go back to, like, the mob connection. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, there there was, uh, I found a... An article that talks about there was a person named Isidore Kidcan Blumenfeld. Uh, in, That's a name. Yeah, it really is a name. <laughs> he was born in 1900 in Romania, Romania, and came to the U.S. when he was two years old. Got into petty crime and eventually, you know, joined up with Al Capone and during the Prohibition areas. Mm-hmm. But the thing that he did instead of doing what Al Capone did is he he bought liquor licenses instead of buying liquor. Oh. And he would just, like, originally you had to have a name associated with it to buy liquor. He actually would get people to give, you know, use their name, buy liquor licenses, and... And then he would hold them. Mm-hmm. And huh. he would use that to, like, run, like, a liquor ring and kind of... That's nuts. I know, right? And it was right in our backyard. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, like, as as we as we progressed as a culture and as a city, like, 1974, we sort of shifted the liquor patrol limits and more stuff started shifting from there. If you were to go back to Lawless, Aaron. Yeah. According to our completely arbitrary review scale, what, what would you, what would bring you back? 
Oh, I mean, I have to go back with what I described for the Genepi, which is just like a spring meadow on a very, very nice but mild day. Like it's 65 degrees with a light breeze and, uh, you know, I can lay in the grass and just be comfy. I would go back because of their bathroom. Oh my god, the like all of the magazines and books. Yeah, the magazines and books are amazing. That. I took a picture and we'll share that on our website when we post the episode. So we are out of time for today, but that doesn't mean the fun has to end. If you've enjoyed our episode or if you want to give us some feedback about your favorite Ginjoid or Speakeasy in the area, you can email us at fans at travelbyproxy.com or leave a comment on our Facebook page, Travel by Proxy, or on our blog, travelbyproxy.com. Our Travel by Proxy theme song is Good Day by Alex, copyright 2012. Our closing music is Now We're Talking by Jarris, copyright 2015. Both are licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license and can be found at dig.ccmixture.org. We thank you very much for listening to this week's episode, and we hope you enjoyed it, and we wish you a look out your your window. Moving peace stones and your rearranging all that you find Now we're talking about things and places all the names and the faces of the people that you love